Hi, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. You've copied my shirt. You're wearing the same shirt as me. Yes. We spend, you're wearing we're spending not too, as well. We're spending too much time together, we've realised. Yeah. Because Will... Same jackets. Will the other day bought the same jacket as me. I couldn't help it's really nice jacket. My one is the one I bought. It's really nice jacket. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same as that jacket. And yeah, so we are starting to realise maybe we should spend less time together. It's all good because Yarn's going to Morocco soon. So. <laughs> to get away from you. To get away from me. Um, so this week, this episode even, uh, we had Eleanor Montoni on, who Indeed. is um, a production designer and lovely person. Um, and she's been a production designer of many, 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 many things, including the BAFTA-nominated um, short film Standby. She's also been a production designer on a ton of music videos, um, music videos for artists like Arlo Parks and for Mumford & Sons. She's done loads of commercials for the likes of Yamaha and Samsung and ASICs as well. Uh, and most recently, um, she was the production designer of Scrapper, which is Charlotte Reagan's uh, debut feature film, um, which stars Harris Dickinson and Lola Campbell. And, and it also awesome. won the Grand Jury Award in the World Dramatic Category at Sundance. So I was about to say that. I was Were about you? To say that. Yep. Anyway. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then what did we talk about? What did we talk about, Jan? All right, yeah, we talked about all sorts, really. Um, we talked about her perspective on production design generally, as well as her process and the sort of logistical things you can kind of expect as you go through a project being a production designer. We went into some detail about Standby, which is the short film we'll mention before. We both absolutely loved this short film mm. and her relationship with Charlotte Regan, who she's worked on with many times and all lots of specifics about Scrapper generally too. Um, but yeah, it was just a fantastic conversation. Yeah. She's so lovely and, and down to earth and yeah. yeah, we had a great time. And we learned loads as well. And um, I think you guys are going to as well. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome Eleanor Montoni to the podcast. <laughs> we're back in we're back in Highbury in my living room, uh, which I haven't been in a while. Um, but yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll jump straight into it with our first question. Um, so yeah, when you're sent a script, uh, what exactly are you looking for? Are you um, yeah? What's your what's your process when you've got your job and you've got your script? What what are you doing at that stage? Yeah. Um, so I guess it depends on a lot of different things. Um, when I get sent a job, um, I guess I look at the team. Um, if I've worked with a director before, if it's someone that I really want to collaborate with, it depends as well if I know who the DOP is, if I know the costume designer, the makeup artist, um, the producer or the production company. Um, I'm always looking for a story, um, the narrative, what it's about, if I can bring something to it as well. Um, how they want to tell the story. So if it's, uh, I don't know, set in an office, um, I always like to bring a little bit of a creative flair. Um, so it really depends. It's kind of always a bit of a balance. So if it's set in an office um, and I can bring something that's a little bit wacky or a little bit strange to it. So maybe it's set in the 1970s and I can do something a little bit interesting with it. Um, or if it's set in the future or if it's a horror film or I don't know, something that gives me a little bit of a creative, I don't know, I don't know, sink my teeth into it as a lot of people like to say. Um, or if it's, I don't know, got something that I can 
you know, play around with a little bit. Having said that as well, if it's something that has got a bit of, has got a meaning to it um, and is trying to say something important um, is something else that I really look for too. Um, I've done a lot of different short films which have narratives that are trying to, I don't know, reach out to different communities and have stories that are meaningful to the director. Um, I don't know, it really just depends if I'm able to collaborate with all of the heads of department as well. Um, do you normally get sent just the script or you get sent a script and a treatment and then if you get the treatment you've got like the visuals and you kind of know yeah. ish what they're going for like you said the office it's 1970s yeah and then you maybe you look at the visuals and you go okay I can bring this other this, depth, this yeah. more, more depth to it yeah. I guess um so one thing I'll do is I'll always read the script first okay, nice. always read the script first yeah. and then I'm always imagining the I guess, locations and the narrative in my head. And I do that in my everyday life as well, and maybe a little bit weird like that. So if you were to tell me a story about, I don't know, where you went to have a picnic in the park last week, and there was a bandstand, and then there was like a crazy group of children running around having a picnic. In my head, I'm already picturing everything and like the clothes they were wearing and the way that the presents were like packaged with the bow on the top. Um, and so I'm already imagining the way that, I don't know, people will be moving in the house and the ways that the walls are painted green and the wallpaper is peeling off. Um, and so I guess when I immediately receive a script, I already have it pictured out in my head uh, because of the way, I guess, that it's written. Um, and so I guess that's what I'm looking for as well, if it allows some kind of creativity in my head. So I always read the script first and then I'll look at the treatment. And then I'm like, okay, am I on the same page as as the kind of creative? Um, and if I am, then that's brilliant. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's get this started. And if I'm not, then I'm like, okay, why not? Um, and is that for a good reason or a bad reason? And a bad reason could be for a good reason, if that makes any sense. And is that because it can challenge me um, for things that I haven't thought of? Or is it just because maybe we're just on two different pages and maybe it's the kind of job that I shouldn't jump on? Okay. If that makes sense. So like it would be like your sensibilities and the creative sensibilities yeah. are totally different. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe we just have thought about the project in different ways and maybe it would be better suited to someone else or maybe we just would approach it in different ways or maybe they're just looking for another kind of designer or maybe I would approach it in a completely different way. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that makes makes sense. Sense. yeah. Do, is that, um, so what you've just described then um, in terms of like the logistical process of it, that would be when you're sent a script because people are interested in, in having you on to interview you essentially so they're just trying to gauge your thoughts that initial interview yeah sometimes yeah I guess sometimes I get sent a script because sometimes I also sometimes I get just sent a script sometimes I just I get sent a script and a treatment sometimes I just get sent a treatment so I kind of get 
everything. Sometimes I just get sent a log line. Sometimes I just get sent, hey, are you free on the 12th? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And one day I'm going to... Res- visualize that? Yeah, yeah. One day I'm just going to respond like, why? Do you want to take me out for dinner? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like, I'm like, when you're big enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, can I have a bit That's more a warning to anyone. Uh... <laughs> um, so it really depends. I get a whole different bunch of information. Sometimes none at all. Um, so sorry, what was your question? Yeah, so I guess like, yeah, I mean, you kind of answered it then, but like, mm. maybe a good question is like, what are the the normal steps for you yeah. between like coming onto a project? Just from a, like, yeah, like, do you have like a series of conversations with the director to a certain like, what, what exactly whether you're not on the same page or, yeah, how does that, what are the, what are the normal kind of steps or is it just totally different? Like, Yeah, so um, I guess sometimes I'll get sent a script to be interviewed and sometimes someone will just, I guess, know and hopefully just want to work with me. Yeah, they've seen your stuff and they're like, ah, this works. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's quite maybe rare that I get interviewed for a short film. It's usually that I'll interview for longer form jobs because for short films, it's more so like, you know, they maybe know that they want to attach me to the project, Um, you know, usually. Um, But... Yeah, what will then happen is um, we kind of have a maybe initial call, talk about it. Um, I'll then prepare a mood board uh, based on my initial thoughts for the project. We'll then talk about it. um, And then I'll kind of run through the script. I usually then make my breakdown. um, So that is me coming up with initial ideas for dressing. Um, I'll go through all the different props and I'll then ask a million and one questions. <laughs> what about this? How do you want it to look like? Say it's something that needs to be practical. They're interacting with something. There's a scene where, I don't know, a mug gets dropped. Mm. Um, how I mean, is that You're asking these happen? questions to the director. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. It depends. Uh, usually on short films, the writer is the director. Sometimes the writer isn't. And therefore, I guess I'll ask these questions to both of the, the people. Um and then it will be, I really, I really, really love narrative. It's like my favorite thing in the world. And so I'm always asking, say that we have to dress a bedroom or create a bedroom or a living room Then I'm like, okay, who is this person? What's their background? Do they have a partner? Where do they go to school? Um, what's their hobbies? You know, um, are they the, do they wear a dressing gown? And if they do, do they hang it on the back of the door or do they, you know, throw it on the floor? And why do they do that? And I try you, to... And you, do you find, sorry to interrupt, no, no. the, the direct, what if the director doesn't kind of know, maybe yeah. they don't know all of those yeah. things, you then go, okay, cool. And I've got freedom to go and create within yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes it's the kind of thing where I don't, you know, sometimes the director, the director has all these questions and sometimes they want to give me these questions and sometimes they don't just in terms of they don't um not that they they're not willing to offer the information but maybe they're just like I haven't thought about these things or maybe they're not important to them um and so I'm like okay I'm gonna create a character just for my purposes to be able to dress this person's space i remember once um things had changed at the last minute about this character and i was sat 
outside a room with my assistant and I remember being like you know looking at her and being like okay who is this person and you know how would she hang her photographs in her room and like you know we had to like dress this space in like 20 minutes but I really needed like two seconds to just be like okay what are we gonna do um and in general I like to say that I like plan 80 percent and kind of experiment with 20 um when it kind of comes to it so just because you might have a plan of how you want everything to go and then you might turn up on the day and then you still kind of want to feel your way around a space because yeah. you might be like okay um especially when it comes to smaller things you know you might be like okay i thought that this was going to go here but actually now seeing it in in the location it doesn't feel right yeah. Yeah. i go a lot and it's like what did you do there yeah, yeah just be flexible yeah okay. yeah so how do you think um, production design, you've kind of gone into it, I guess, like how production design helps tell, like tell the actual story or like help us, helps us as viewers know the character a bit more because it's all quite, it's subtle, but I think it all adds into this whole, I think you've kind of gone into it with like, oh, how do they wear their dressing gown? How do they hang their photos up? But how do you think, yeah, how do you, it helps tell the story as a as a whole? Um, I think you can like approach design in so many different ways and it can kind of be really in your face or it can be really subtle. Uh, and in both ways, I guess the viewer can tell that it's happening in a subconscious way maybe, if that makes any sense. You can sometimes see films and you're like, oh my gosh, everything is super red or super, you know, in your face and it's really obvious. And other times you maybe look back on something and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm only seeing it now that there's these kind of patterns or these little hidden Easter eggs. But I think any time that you're watching something, if it's done with purpose, I always say, which is something that I really like to do, um, there's always a story being told, especially with like the little details that you see around. Say someone's a chain smoker, then there's like always an ashtray, but you know, you're making sure that there's lots of cigarette butts and lots of like ash in the ashtray or there's like a sticky ring of coffee that's been like left on the side of a you know and it's all of these little details that you kind of take time to make sure are put in place throughout um and I think a lot of that comes in the prep stages and getting to know a character and kind of building a story around them and how they would inhabit a space and kind of putting yourself in their shoes and researching, you know? And I love doing a lot of different things that um, are things that I don't know, you know, and kind of learning about characters and cultures and different backgrounds that I'm not necessarily like used to and talking to friends and people and spending time, like making sure that everything I do feels like authentic and realistic and you know taking time to not assume that something would just be like that yeah. if that makes any sense yeah so like research and then making sure it's motivated yeah, yeah. and per and purposeful and not just doing something because it looks good but because it should be there you know yeah and when you kind of go away and you do this research are you in constant communication with the director being like, I think this sort of thing is appropriate because of X, Y, and Z. And I found this out in my research that 
I don't know, in the nineties, this pop star was really like big and I think it would be cool to have this, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that the sort of thing that's you're constantly having those sort of conversations? Yeah. I guess like I put all of this in my mood boards. I really love making mood boards. Um, and I guess I'm really motivated by color. Um, and I don't know, maybe you see this in my work. Yeah, maybe. Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people always ask me like, oh, what's your style? And <laughs> I have, I have like, no color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really hard for me to, to say. Um, although I guess a lot of people are like, oh, it's color and like quite full frames. And maybe I'm kind of only realizing this now, but, um, yeah, I really work off color. Again, maybe it's because of the weird way in which I imagine things as soon as people tell me stories. I have very vivid dreams, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're like very intense all the time. Very colorful. Very colorful. And I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? Um, <laughs> Wait, that's another section of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without getting into too much detail. Um, but um, yeah, so I guess like I approach everything from a color point of view. Um, and that influences my work like a lot. And it doesn't necessarily mean that color has to be, that everything has to be super colorful and super in your face. Cause again, color can be used in really subtle ways. You know, it can be soft shades and of grays and pinks and whatever. It doesn't have to be like super, you know, strong hues of red and whatever um but yeah all of this goes into my mood boards and references and especially if I have a bigger team with me of people who are buying and you know going out and sourcing things from me for me sorry not from me um I feel like if I can accurately show the kind of things that I am trying to um I don't know, recreate, not only so that I can show the director the kind of things that I would like to get, but also for the rest of my team, then I guess that's how I know that I'm doing a good job. Yeah. You know? Would, would you have like, um, so you're uh, sending the prop masters out to go and get the props for a certain scene. Um, is there like a color palette then for the props in comparison to like, say the living room in Scrapper, for example? And I'm also curious about like with costume designers as well. Are you like setting that color palette for that? Let's say it's the living room, for example, you're setting the color palette for them and going, I need this and this, these mugs, these plates, these, whatever, they need to be in these kind of colors. And then same with the costume designer. Around. Yeah. Um, let's take Scrapper, for example, which I know is not a short film. Um, yeah, but, okay. yeah we, <laughs> we, we, we're going to talk about Scrapper. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a great example when it comes to color. Um, so I'd come up with a color palette for the film. And I think I've, I've talked about this before, I think. Um, the color palette for Scrapper was based off the five stages of grief um, that are... Um, referenced in the film yeah. um, so I did a lot of research when it came to grief and when it came to the five stages of grief and I kind of set the tone to the f well I didn't set the tone to the film but I guess when it came to color and the color that I wanted to use when it came to the design um, yeah came up with these five kind of main colors that you maybe see throughout um, and 
wanted to come up with a design for the living room and for the house that Georgie inhabits that felt kind of a nostalgic, over-the-top, you know, warm hub that she lived in that felt very much like a place that was a hand-me-down flat that, you know, in this kind of narrative world that we created, you know, her grandmother lived in, which is why there's this kind of like lovely but also disgusting green carpet, um, you know, with an old sofa and old lampshades and everything feels a little bit warm, old, worn and old, sorry, but also super colourful. The whole idea is that the whole film is seen through the eyes of this 12-year-old girl. So everything, again, is quite heightened. So we'd decided, you know, I did lots of tests and kind of put some colours on the wall, put got some um, kind of temp carpet. Um, I can't even think of the name now, but like swatches, swatches. Um, got them all, put them on the floor, kind of spoke about them with Charlie and with Molly. Um, and we put some colours on the wall and then I just kind of picked the shade that I wanted to paint. But then speaking about it with Charlie and with Molly, they were like, oh, we think this shade's a little bit too light because when we're filming in here all the time and they wanted to use a lot of natural light, we were like, they were like, oh, we think it might be a little bit too reflective. So would you mind going for a darker shade? So, you know, you kind of have certain ideas of certain hues that you want to use, but then obviously then comes the collaboration with different departments and you're like, okay, this might not be li like quite right yeah, because of camera and lighting and, yeah. you know. And Molly's the DP, isn't And she? Molly's Molly, the DP, Molly yes. Yeah. Um, and so that was also a chat that I'd had with Oliver, who was the costume designer, um, when it came to using the infamous football yeah. shirt. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That Lola who plays Georgie, wears throughout um, and kind of how that colour was going to work against the the living room walls. How did, yeah, I mean, was that a question of a different football team then perhaps? Yeah. Like how would you like change yeah. the colour of the football shirt? So the football shirt was kind of decided upon because of the fact that um, that was the one that um, we were able to, to get. Right. Okay. Um, and the one that kind of worked well. Uh, with her character. Um, do you mean colour-wise or do you mean like just the, just the football team? Or? Yeah, just the football team and the okay. one that worked and the one that we were able to to get because of... Um, um, I don't know what rights, the rights, rights reasons, copyright sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, but then because of that as well um, and because of her character, just because of who Georgie is and the fact that she's a scrapper, mm -hmm. um, making her room completely blue you know, yeah. and the fact that the top has got little blue accents with the maroon in it. Mm. Uh, and the fact that her room, again, is completely blue with that kind of shade of a nice little pastel, pastel blue and full of clouds. Right. Again, worked quite well. But collaborations with Oliver, the costume designer, um, come as well with the fact that there are a lot of spiders in the film. Yeah. Uh, and if you look closely enough, he drew some spiders into Ali's um shoes I think I didn't I think I might have noticed that actually like yeah 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 so there's all of these kind of constant constant conversations that are happening and it's more so the fact that maybe you know I'll go up to the costume designer and I'll say hey I am gonna 
pick, I don't know, purple bedding for this scene. And then they might turn around and be like, oh, I might get purple, you know, um, pajamas. Or they'll be like, oh, because you're getting purple bedding, I might get a different color mm. pajamas, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, it's kind of constant conversations and also conversations because there might be overlap when it comes to bags or badges and it's like am I going to get that are you going to get that yeah, yeah, yeah. when it also comes to kind of logistical chats and then like w towards the end like when you know you're, you're getting close to the shoot date like how are you sort of amassing all of the details and like do you have like I don't know some sort of yeah, how, yeah. How are you knowing that everything is going to fit together and work on the day? Yeah, <laughs> spreadsheets. But even like creatively, like how do you know it's all going to fit? I mean, I love spreadsheets so much that at the end of Scrap, and my team got me some socks that said "I love spreadsheets." <laughs> um, <laughs> if you see them, by the way, they're a work of art. They're like colorful oh, really? and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, how do I know? Um, you spend so much time just like in a project, um, you know, on a short film, hopefully you'll be in it for like month, a month, maybe, depending on how long you kind of get called on to a project. In a feature, you know, I've done kind of like indie features, so I'll be on it for maybe like four months. Maybe I'll be given the script a little bit longer than that. So again, I'm reading it and I've kind of have it in my head for ages um but then like i mean like just from a visual perspective you're just imagining in your mind in your mind at that point or is there any sort of like i don't know like way you can look at it visually like or draw you're sketching everything out or something yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what yeah. the process is at the end yeah there. um so i recently got an ipad which has been life-changing yeah. before that i was kind of sketching everything by hand um, and, you know, I always have to apologize to <laughs> everyone in my team for like, when I present these sketches, I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Please like, just, you know, I hope like they, yeah. <laughs> I hope they help. But now I like use my iPad and I'll like draw and procreate and I kind of like, draw on top of pictures of things and I like sketch maybe what things are going to look like and it's more so for like dressing intentions so if there are teams going out and again I'll collaborate with my art director to kind of come up with a plan so that when a dressing team is going out and dressing something it's like you know there's arrows everywhere and it's like and I do this on commercials as well um so people know to like change the couch and you know this goes here and that goes there and whatever it might be um so yeah you kind of plan every different location and there's a lot that goes into every different thing um every different location every different set every different corner every different you know whether it's like an action prop that's being made or handcrafted or like you know you're speaking to a prop maker or again it's yeah thousands of slides and yeah everything just comes together your brain is constantly like going all the time i'll look at my phone and it's like you've been on your screen for like 14 hours a day it's yeah yeah it's, looking, looking, looking. yeah it's yeah. a lot of work yeah 
Um, I was gonna. Uh, I want to take us into Standby, yes. short film. Um, which again, both like, I've I've watched that ages ago and rewatched yeah. it. It's, just, it's it's still as powerful and it's so great. Um, I kind of like an iconic film. It I is think in the short film world in London. I don't know. I feel like everybody's seen it yeah. and loves yeah. that film. Yeah. Um, because um, what I love about it is that the 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 passing of time, obviously the relationship between the two of them. Um, and I think it's so impressive. Like, how did you create this sense of passing of time? Because it's only one setup in the camera, and you've only got one location, which is the car. Um, and I think people take for granted how easy that, like, how hard that is. Sorry to do because you know you've got police outfits and things like that. But like, actually creating this sense of like, because it feels like a year has passed or something. I don't know if that's the aim, but it does feel like a year has passed from their relationship. Um, like how do you how do you approach that when like that comes in and you go right okay one setup one location but I need to make it feel like all this time has passed you know I feel like I can't really take a lot of credit for that for that film I mean um, Charlie is you know a gem of a person and a director and I love working with her um, I think that was our very very first short film ever. Um, I think that was my very first short film really? ever. Yeah. Wow. Um, as production designer. As production designer. Um, it all takes place in a car, as you said. Um, I spent a lot of time kind of like trying to peer into police cars in the most non-suspicious way ever. Um, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I don't know, like kind of like sliding up to them and like, yeah, <laughs> looking <unsuspicious>. inside. <laughs> um, trying to make, you know, this police car look and feel as authentic as possible. Mm. And annoyingly, there's nothing inside police cars. You know, they keep them as clean as possible because I was like, oh, maybe I could, you know, do something with them. Um but yeah, I mean, it was a super low budget, you know, student end of uni, like short film. Um, I got the police uniforms as well, which I guess, you know, usually isn't, wouldn't be a designer's job. Um, and I feel like, again, you know, I got all of the, you know, my biggest job maybe on that was getting all of the props. Um, I remember Charlie telling me off for like, having baked the cake she was like Eleanor you could just go to Tesco's and just buy one you know <laughs> and I was like maybe I should have because as you can tell like I'm not the best of bakers and it like didn't rise properly and has a soggy bottom but <laughs> I feel that that's like probably the charm of the film you know um I remember collecting like you know coffee mugs like takeaway coffee cups for weeks like before and like hand painting them so that they all look different you know this was like back in the day when I like first started trying to come up with innovative very cheap like free ways of making things like look different on like a zero pound budget um and I think a lot you know and when it comes to cars, I think a lot of it is making sure that all the windows are clean or, you know, making sure that when it rains, it looks wet and stuff like that. Um, and sure, like I carried boxes and you can see I'm a police officer in it. And, you know, I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like <laughs> walking past in the background and sure, like I moved some boxes, but I think a lot of it comes to down to like, you know, hair and makeup, making sure that they look different. Um, but, I think again, when it comes to things like that, 
a lot of it is with the attention to detail um, and just, you know, when you're doing low budget short films, I think it's so important to just help out when you can uh, and making sure that everyone like chips in and helps out um, because at the end of the day, it is like a collaboration and like a team effort. Um, and you want to make sure that you're like making beautiful things, but also that everyone's having like a lovely time doing it, which is exactly what we did. So, um, but yeah, it definitely also comes down to all of the other heads of departments yeah. on that one for sure. So, so how, so on a project like that, how would you, or just generally on projects, mm -hmm. like how do you balance like the creative vision of like when you when you're looking at scripts and you've got all these ideas and the colors and and everything you want to do versus then oh I've got 500 quid or I've got how many yeah. thousands of pounds yeah how do I do that like how do you balance those two yeah. things I imagine it's quite difficult quite difficult um I guess it um I'll go back and kind of answer one of the previous questions again that when I when I now maybe like decide whether I'm going on a short film as well it depends whether the budget allows me as well to kind of do the best job that I can on it um because there is always a balance between the budget allowing you to do the best job that you can whilst always you know I always give this terrible analogy maybe of if someone wants like three glasses it's always fun to try and get you know five and maybe six you know it's challenging and quite you know can be quite entertaining and a little bit fun but like it's never f fun to try and get a hundred you know mm -hmm. that's impossible and it's tiring and you know um and so I guess when I get offered a short film um I'm always also looking at the budget um because you want to be able to do something that is, as I guess I've said, like is also fun for everybody involved and not just me, but also for, you know, if I have an assistant for like my team and is realistic as well, like on the day uh, when it comes to dressing, because that's also something that I guess I have to bear in mind. Um, so I guess I kind of work backwards from the things that I know that I need, um, especially if it's a period piece. That always makes things a little bit tricky because I can't just, you know, I have a studio. Um, I guess it's more so like a glorified storage space. <laughs> um, I laugh because like, if anyone who's listening knows me, um, I started by like keeping all of my props in my sister's old bedroom. That was the that was a studio yeah and like shout out to my parents because <laughs> they like kept yeah they honestly I couldn't have done it without like their patience um I used to like drag all the things from like the top floor of my house like into my living room and like lay everything out on the floor and then like pack everything and load it all up into a van at like three in the morning and like wake my mum up like honestly um and, but I now have this like studio Anyway, so like on short films, I kind of use a lot of stuff that I've kept throughout the yeah, years. Yeah, so I've got my own little prop cool. store, I guess. And I've kind of kept it going for so many years so that I can also work on short films and low budget things. Because I do love them and I do love, as I said before, like narrative stuff. And I want to kind of keep doing that. 
Um, but obviously when it comes to period pieces, then it's a little bit harder. I have kept a lot of period stuff because I do love it. And hopefully when I own my house, then I can, you know, use those plates that I've kept for like five years. But anyway, so yeah, it's kind of harder to just pop down to like the local shop or whatever if I am doing something like that. Um, but yeah, I work backwards from the things that I know that I need, that I know will like take up a little bit more money that I know that I either need to hire or need to make or whatever. And so I kind of break the budget backwards down that way, transport, you know, things like that, and then see how much money I have to kind of play with, with the more kind of fun, creative things. And then I'll look at what I can make and what I can kind of build myself. And again, it's always a balance between how much time is it gonna take me to do these things and, is it just easier or am I gonna, you know, waste is maybe a bad word, but am I gonna waste less time if it's gonna cost me just a fiver to go and buy it rather than like 12 hours to make this thing? Um, and I guess that's how you balance budget and yeah. doing low budget stuff. Um, I was quite, I wanted to kind of jump into the question with Charlotte Regan, who you called Charlie, um, and just like, yeah, find out a little bit about the journey you guys have been on. Because it sounds like a pretty incredible journey um, from standby to, to Scrapper now. So, yeah, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually know Charlie from school. So we've been friends now for oh, right. 18 years. Wow. Um, so I went to uni and I studied English literature that I hated. Um Okay, hate's a strong word, but I really didn't like it. Um, I, <laughs> a, step, a step down. Step down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like one time. Like, one, I need to step down. Um, I wanted to do art, but art's not a real subject. Um, <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> we all know who. <laughs> um, and then after uni, uh, I actually like, um, this is a really long-winded answer, but um, I, out of pure laziness, I wrote all of my essays on film because instead of reading a 700-page novel, I could just skim through a film. I don't know how all of my like uni professors actually like let me do it, but like I wrote my dissertation on film, stuff like that. And after uni, I was like, okay, I'm never doing something I ne never want to do ever again. And I kind of was like, oh, film's actually kind of interesting. I'll just try that. And at that point it was like nothing to do with a job or a career. Like it was purely about just doing something like that. I finally maybe enjoyed. Um, and I remember at the time, like Charlie was, I'd seen that she was doing music videos and stuff. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like, I don't know, have you been doing a course or something like that? Do you have something that you could recommend? And she was actually the very first person who was like, oh, I'm so glad you want to do something a bit more creative again. I think you should maybe like try and join the art department. Um, so she's the first person who kind of recommended I go down this route. So it's all her fault. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, so then after that, I kind of like started helping her out doing odd little jobs. I don't know, again, carrying boxes and doing things like that. And then I started helping like out other students um, on their 
short films and things like that but again I was a runner I, I kind of tried a little bit of everything yeah I met like strangers online um who like I kind of started working with as well and then I kind of fell into the art department because it combined everything that I I guess had always loved and then just started working with Charlie just naturally um because that's kind of what I'd gotten into um and then you know did a music video with her did more short films with her did more music videos with her did some commercials with her and so I guess we just kind of carried on collaborating because I've known her for a long time we're really honest with each other um we get along extremely well both you know as friends and professionally which means that we can challenge each other uh, in the best of ways. Um, again, like as humans, but also creatively, which is such a wonderful, um, like safe space to be in. Um, because when we do so, it comes from, it comes from a good place. Um, and again, she's like one of the best directors that I've, and probably will ever work with. Um, and just, yeah, I really love being around her. So yeah it's been such an honor to also again like do my very first feature with her as well yeah. um and it's something that i'm immensely proud of it must have been pretty special for you guys just being on the set of scrapper and being wow like look, yeah. look how far we've come like you know from doing your very first short film together essentially yeah but she must have really seen something in you to encourage you oh, to God. go into the art department right like it at all those years i don't ago. know about that maybe she's just being nice <laughs> <laughs> i think it's, it's paid off though for her <laughs> and you yeah yeah um should we need to scrap it then that kind of feels like yeah, a natural, yeah. um what i was really intrigued by and you kind of touched on it earlier is yeah you're seeing everything through this kid's eyes because i think like it could have been really dreary. Like you're on a council estate. She's lost her mum. She's living by herself. And then the dad comes. She hasn't seen. You know, if you say that on the surface, that someone would be like, okay, it's all grey. And but like it's so alive and there's so many colours. Like you were saying with the, all of those, uh, like the colours that you'd based on the stages of grief. Um, was that something that she'd written? into I don't know in the script did you find that or did you just see that and then you came and you were like I see it in all these like turquoise yellows and all that or was it something that Charlotte was like tonally it's I want it to be light and that felt like part of the selling point for the yeah, film in, in, yeah. in of itself because it's a contrast to I guess the normal working class films we sort of see I guess that's exactly it like Charlie had already spoken about it not feeling like the usual kind of kitchen sink dark and dreary you know um film that we've all seen before um and it feeling like a you know uplifting film and she's already referenced I think in other interviews that she's done uh, the fact that she'd filmed this documentary called No Ball Games where she went around and filmed kids kind of uh playing and how they see the kind of you know brighter side of things and that no matter what they've got they see the positive side of life and you know they're they're just playing and they're just kids and I think that's what we wanted to inject into into the film and into the story and um I guess you know it all kind of starts with the title for me as well of the film like Scrapper and that's kind of what what Georgie is um you know in all senses of the word um and I think when it came to Scrapper I can't 
I can't remember now whether she'd had a treatment, but we definitely, you know, had spoken about the story before I think I'd read the I'd read the script. I mean, the script is like so incredible anyway. And it's got so many comedic, funny elements that I thought the the story and the design like deserved, you know, some kind of vitality in it. Um, and I guess for me that came with colour and that came with all of these funny little quirky moments where like, you know, if it was the social services set or the kind of like hyperbolic, joyful classroom with the really moody teacher, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, or these, you know, again, collaboration with costume, like matching colorful, like, like the three kids in the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think it was trying to give a spin on this, yeah, kind of like dreary kind of standardized estate that you normally see, which is why we looked at a lot of different locations and kind of found this really beautiful estate in East London, um, which was super green and kind of like quite flat in a wonderful way and quite spacious, which allowed these kids to kind of like run wild in a wonderful way. Um, and yeah, we just wanted, again, to make her center of the universe feel really warm and really special and just quite quirky, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was just really fun, like, to design, like, really, 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 really fun. It feel, yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, um, and really fun to just be a part of. And, like, I think everyone just had such a joyful time shooting it. And often, like, when I feel a bit down, I just re-watch all the videos that I took oh, of, no. like, my... Honestly, of, like, my team, like, doing it and, like, all of the behind-the-scenes videos of, like, I don't know, my standbys or my, like, you know, set decorate or just, like, art assistants painting and us, like, just having so much fun doing it. Yeah, 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 like, genuinely. How long did you get to, before you actually were filming, like, how long did you get to, you know, do all the painting, the set design and everything? before the actual start of shoot? Not that long. No. Um, I think in total I had like a month and a half of prep just myself. And then everyone kind of like staggered, started a bit later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is that, is that including like coming up with ideas before or do you mean just physically like making the set? I think for me that included kind of like, but again, it's kind of, you know, you get a bit of like soft prep time where you're thinking about it and yeah. you're having discussions and you're going on scouts and, you know, so I'd like, or I was already having like these discussions with like Charlie and you have like page turns when you go through the whole script and we'd gone for walks and gone to see the house that we like moved into essentially and completely redecorated. Um, but yeah, then you have like a couple of weeks beforehand to physically paint and wallpaper and do everything. Yeah. I had a quick question, like a specific one actually about, so you mentioned the social services moment and then there's also, you know, those moments where she sort of cuts to people that I guess she's imagining that that kind of perspectives. Um, how like was the discussion like, because those bits are quite surreal, especially the social services like frame. Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like, how did you discuss that with Charlie? Or was that in the script in terms of um, like how surreal to make that? Or kind of how ridiculous to go with the comedy of it. Yeah. yeah, was that yeah, what was that discussion like? 
I think she was like, let's make it really, really weird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I kind of want it to just feel really dreary and really dull. And like, they were just really bad at their jobs. Right. right, Um, right. You know, like they're just like completely inadequate. Like how the hell are they just okay with her having an uncle called Winston Churchill, you know? Uh, And I was like, okay they should totally have a fax machine Um, (laughs) you know um and then that's the beautiful thing about also like collaborating with my team um you know I was like we need to make everything gray and we should totally have a sign made out of paper mache where the r looks like it's flipped over and it's falling and it should be hung at an angle and then I was like guys just write the most depressing signs that you can and print out stock images of sad children and (laughs) run wild, you know, and they were like, cool. And and so, you know, they kind of like spent a day writing everything, you know, and it's also so nice for me to be able to like allow other people of my team to bring their own things to it. I don't want to be, I don't want to work in a team where I'm kind of going around telling people exactly what they need to do. It's really nice to be able to like allow people to come in and bring their own ideas. And again, it's kind of what I said before. It's like, if I can give some kind of vague plan and vague idea with like kind of good references of you know, the ideas that I'm thinking about. And if someone can look at them and be like, okay, cool, I get it. Then that's kind of like my job done. And then it's really nice for other people to come in and be like, okay, cool, here's my spin on it. And it's so nice of other people to kind of build a a really nice working environment where other people feel comfortable and I guess like vitalized enough. To, well, like giving them agency yeah, to their own work. Yeah, yeah, I don't know everything and I never ever will. And someone else might have and probably will have a way better idea than me. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to be able to like allow someone else to be like, hey, how about we do this? And I'm always like so up for it. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Are you, are you sharing like references with them or are you just like saying this is the general idea like you were saying about the social services? Yeah. Then you, did you share like, oh, it'd be kind of like this maybe and then go to town and see what you can do with it? Yeah, I guess it's like a little bit of both. It'll be like a discussion and also references. Mm. So it'll be like, oh, let's spray paint bourbons grey, you know. <laughs> but again, it's like, we'll just have a chat and then someone will be like, what about we do this? Or like, we can yeah, do this or, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's so that bit like lands so well, especially with the performances as well. It's so <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Maybe it would be a good time to maybe talk a little bit about um, the decision to use an existing location versus a set and like how, what, yeah, what that kind of discussion looks like. Is it a matter of budget or is it, yeah, what, what, what are the pros and cons of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And was that something you considered on Scrapper? Yeah. Um, so in Scrapper, there was a massive set build when it came, comes to the, the tower. Um, Oh, yeah. That makes sense because this is kind of surreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't there in that house. No. <laughs> um, but when it came, when it comes to the house, I guess a big, um, a big, big part of Scrapper was the fact that um, 
Lola and um, Alan were first time actors. And so we had a lot of discussions when it came to making sure that they felt completely comfortable on set. Um, and the way that we were gonna approach the project, not only when it came to prepping it and how we were gonna film it, but also how we were gonna shoot it. Um, a lot of it came down to, to that. Um, and so the fact that we were gonna be shooting on location was also due to the fact um, that we were trying to build a world that also felt as real and as comfortable for them. Um, so we moved into this flat, we completely renovated and we made it fully a fully functioning house. So like every drawer, every cupboard, everything was real yeah so um you open up you know in georgie's room you open up her cupboards and they've got school uniform in it and socks and you know uh toys and whatever and in the kitchen there's food and there's mugs and there's pots and pans um and so i guess that's the idea behind it it was also to give the all the actors the flexibility to be able to you know, improvise and to kind of move around the space as freely as possible so that, you know, if Georgie needed to do something on camera, it wasn't like, oh, but you're not allowed to yeah, look in that yeah, drawer or yeah. you're not allowed to, you know, look under the sink because actually there's something there that you're not allowed to pick, yeah, you know? Just yeah. Freedom. yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, for me, I really love dressing sets as 360 and as fully as possible because for me, it comes down to, you know, being as in character as possible. Um, so I guess that was the thought process behind it um, in terms of like being on location. Yeah. And we were there for so long, like we filmed for five weeks and we were in that house for a very, very, very big chunk of it. So I'm sure that also budget had a pretty big part yeah. to play. Yeah. 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 And we completely, as I said, like renovated that house and then we had to put it all back. <laughs> Restore it. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, so on those occasions where like a set might be a good idea, like what are the kind of reasons for that in like uh, usually in your experience? Um, I really, really love set builds. Yeah. Um, I think predominantly it comes to the geography of a space. I really love taking into consideration geography in terms of like how an actor or how the camera might need to move in and around a space. For example, you let's just take a, um, a house, you know, since we're talking about houses, you come into the kit, you come into the living, uh, the, you come into the front door and like, what do you see? Do you like look down the corridor and the very first thing you see is the living room or is it the kitchen, you know, and how does that affect the story or do you need to see the bedroom first or do you come into like an open plan room or is it just stairs or, you know, and I guess like with a set build, you can completely control that. Um, and as well, like if you need to have a, like a moving wall because then the camera needs to have some kind of special movement because it needs to, I don't know, look through a window or whatever it might be. I think these are all... Are you discussing that with the DP before then going like, okay, what are the kind of camera moves? How much space do you need so that I'm going to need to build 
X amount of space behind the living room so you can set up that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And with a set build, obviously you have like complete control out yeah. like of how you want it to look like. We want to build an arched doorway and we want the ceiling to look like this and we want to, you know, do whatever. And especially if you're then doing all kinds of special effects, you know, we want to flood the floor and we want to do whatever it might be then a set build is always, yeah. You, you just have complete control, you know. Budget, I suppose, for it is the Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're really straining yeah, it. Sure. Maybe I'll do a set build for like short film. Yeah, yeah. That's it, that's it. I've got a house, but I think yeah. I might build just one. <laughs> Let's just build one for the next one. Yeah, screw it. Well, 300 quid. Like <laughs> it. Let's do it. Yeah. But then you lose that kind of, you know, if you just want to have a shot of like what it looks like outside, then, yeah. you know. Unless, again, yeah. you have all the money in the world and then you just build the whole street. Yeah, well, that is it. that's what they did on Oppenheimer, isn't it? They yeah. build a whole, they built Los yeah. Alamos, all the houses, yeah. everything, everything, everything. That makes yeah. perfect sense, actually. Now yeah. that I think about it, how else would they do it? <laughs> um, I was curious, like, is there direction, like, or like things that directors say to you that you find particularly useful? Um, like, I don't know, it could be just a phrase or an expression, like, you know, in terms of, yeah, what what they're saying to to give you some guidance in, in where you're going versus something that you do not find useful at all as a production designer would, would this be on like the first meeting or like just gen generally i'd say like generally um, you know i was thinking more generally like as direction run wild no i'm joking no 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 actually i i kind of i like it when the director knows what they want but is collaborative because i i guess like it's nice i i want to be on board a project but not just be like a glorified shopper yes. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. you know because then it's that's not fun mm. um so i guess this is probably not going to answer your question, but maybe it's just a nice middle ground of someone knowing what they want, but also with enough space for collaboration. I guess that could be the best direction, right? Yeah. Of kind of just someone who has enough, yeah, has enough direction that they know exactly what they're looking for, but with also enough space for open honest yeah. conversations it's, like it's giving agency yeah. to your team again isn't it yeah yeah what um what should a director look for in a production designer when they're like if they were approaching someone for a project again i think it's just like about collaboration open honesty i think it all comes to like i guess on both sides like knowing when to i always give like this bit of advice when it's like knowing when to pick your battles is a really good thing I'm learning um, when it comes to all sides of filmmaking, I think. Um, maybe on the director side or on the production designer's side. Um, but I think, again, it's just about collaborating is a good one. I like working with nice people. Um, <laughs> yeah, good vibes. Um, I think that's really important. I think as well, when it comes to designing, I think you need to be both creative and organized. Mm. Unfortunately, no one ever told me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, should we uh, move on to our final question? The biggest. Oh yeah. Question. Also, we've got our film trivia round that we're gonna yeah. gonna go to afterwards. <laughs> Did you not listen <laughs> to that? <laughs> <on> the <other laughs> podcast? You won the best picture you're, in 1972. You're lying. <laughs> what is your favorite short film? Or, or yeah. So the addition that Will likes to add a short film that has had a real impact on you. I thought long and hard about this one. Um, it's a really tricky question because I have seen so many short films in my life. Um, and a couple of names like immediately flew into my head and then I was like, oh, but they're not really my like favorite short film. And so I'm going to be a bit cheeky with this one um, and say it's actually a short film that I worked on. Oh, damn, yes. Because it's genuinely something that I can't like really talk about or watch without crying every time and it's called ecstasy by grant taylor um it's a film that i worked on quite a few years ago now and it came out um earlier this year on world parkinson's day um and it was a short film made with a lot of love um about a father and a son who go to buy one just one pill of ecstasy so that the dad who has parkinson's can dance with his wife on his on um sorry on her birthday because there was um it's from a, a kind of like a real life story that ecstasy for a very very brief period of time can relieve some symptoms of parkinson's um yeah there was this like documentary where this man who was actually a stuntman um, on a night out with his friends, they kind of gave him a pill. He had early onset Parkinson's and he took it and for like a couple of hours had absolutely no symptoms and he like had a wonderful night and it kind of started for the very first time like a trial on um, a, like a class A drug to kind of try and treat Parkinson's. Um, there's there's quite a few issues with, I guess, using ecstasy as a as a kind of, you know, medicine as a medicine. Yeah, don't yes. take ecstasy, <laughs> kids. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. um, yeah. But the short film, honestly, was like, yeah, there were a lot of shit, like tears. Sorry, like shed, wow. like during the making of this the film, amazing. and it's it was just such a wonderful like collaborative process. I love Grant; he deserves all the flowers in the world, mm. and it's such a like incredible where, short where film it? It you can watch out? it online yeah really just yeah. on youtube or... yeah yeah amazing yeah ecstasy, ecstasy on youtube yeah wow that sounds amazing actually yeah yeah, like, yeah. for sure yeah. for sure um thank you so much for coming on it's been thank awesome you. i've loved yeah it. me too me too yeah it's been great